She's the one that has told me no. Yeah, Mr. You're making a huge mistake right now. Like, like you're making a huge mistake because you're threatening a person. Oh, please. No, we're done. No, no. We're done, sir. Hey. We're done, sir. I had it. No, no, Every time I hear that, it gives me chills. It elicits feelings of fear, anger, betrayal, and confusion as to why a nurse is arrested and assaulted for doing her job. Today's episode is about Alex Wubbles and it's for all nurses. I want to tell it from the perspective of an emergency room nurse who has been thrown in harm's way from time to time and understands what she's feeling to a certain degree, not fully, but know what it's like to feel threatened when you're just trying to do your job. Especially by someone who you consider a comrade, a peer. Someone who will help protect us when we need it. And we will do anything to help them when they do. Thank you for joining me today. So, today's episode, like I said, will be unique. There will be no shout-outs today, but I am going to say thank you to every single person that has been supportive of me on every level, of this podcast on every level. I will proceed with those shout-outs next week, but just know that I'm aware of everything that everybody has done for this podcast and therefore myself, so thank you, everybody. There also won't be a suture room at the end of this one, but maybe I'll make the next episode suture room a little bit longer. How's that sound? So let's get to this. Let's get to this case. Let's get to this situation. Let's get to this travesty. In case there's some of you out there that don't know what happened, because, you know, there are some people that listen to me from different parts of the world and may not know about this case, I'd like to give a little bit of background about what happened. There was a bad accident on the highway in which an officer or a part-time officer was driving a truck that collided with another vehicle coming in a different direction and caused severe injuries and death. This officer was brought in to be treated. He was brought up to the burn unit of the hospital and was assigned to and assessed by nurse Alex Wubbles. Officer Payne arrived to the burn unit. I just actually noticed the irony in his name. Anyway, he arrived to the burn unit 
to as part of his investigation and to draw blood from the officer that was horribly injured with terrible, terrible burns. Alex Wubbles. I think I'm going to call her Alex from this point. I feel a bit of a kinship to her and I don't think that she would mind. I hope not. Anyway, Alex spoke to the officer and told him that she would be unable to do that. That policy didn't allow it. And she supported this policy. She knew it was for the patient's best. She knew it was for the protection of the patient, her patient. Patient that she was advocating for. That's what nurses do. That's what good nurses do. And this is what Alex was doing. The officer proceeded to get quite upset about this and demanded that the blood be drawn. He became agitated. He became, gave off a, an aggressive type stance and attitude. And Alex felt threatened. She was speaking to her manager and, or the higher ups. She decided to go down to the emergency room department so that she could have more support and more protection. Because there, as you can imagine, more people more people that are trained to deal with aggressive situations and security. Unfortunately, this did not make a damn bit of difference. Her security guards stood back and watched as Alex was assaulted by Officer Payne after he had a temper tantrum because he didn't get his way. He didn't like how the situation went he didn't like how long it took. He didn't like that he was told no. So he assaulted and arrested Alex. And security said, we can't help you. So there she was, on her own. Let's listen to a bit more of the clip here to sort of sum up what I had just been saying. This is something that you guys agree to with this hospital. The three things that allow us to do that are if you have an electronic warrant, patient consent, or patient under arrest. And neither of those things, the patient can't consent. He told me repeatedly that he doesn't have a warrant and the patient is not under arrest. So I'm just trying to do the, what I'm supposed to do. That's, that's all. So. Okay, so I take it without those in place, I'm not going to get blood. Is that, am, am I fair to surmise that? Why are you blaming the messenger, sir? She's the one that has told me no. Yeah, but sir, you're making a huge mistake right now. Okay. Like, like you're making a huge mistake because you're threatening a So we know what happened after that. He freaked out. Can't tell him what to do. Can't ha tell him how to do his job. Mm -mm. It's time to arrest a nurse. This makes me physically sick. This is not an exaggeration. This is not drama. This is not what I'm doing because it doesn't need any of that. It makes me feel sick. I have talked to quite a few of my ER peers, nurses, colleagues about this, and they all feel the same way. This is shaking us up. Working in the ER is not as safe as many people would think. 
In fact, it can be downright dangerous. We don't go on about it. We don't talk about it. It's part of the job. And that's not being a uh, martyr or anything like that. It just is. It's We knew signing up for this that you could be put in harm's way. The emergency department is one of the only places in the hospital where people can enter at any time of the day, any day of the year. And there really isn't any visiting hours. People can walk in directly off the street, directly into the department. Where else can you do that? And any kind of person in any state of mind can walk in in the street. In fact, I'm going to use a scenario here that I experienced. While working in trauma one day, I had a patient who had been shot. They were in a rival gang, and we were doing our best to save them, to help them. Little did we know that the other gang member who had shot the person had been on their way to the hospital to find them because if they lived, they'd be fingered and they could go to jail. So they came to the eMERGE with a gun in their pocket looking to find this person. I know, no logic stands with this, but people will do things when they're in different states of anxiety, fear, you name it. So they wandered the halls of the eMERGE looking for the person to finish them off. And had they had walked in on that trauma, had walked in on the trauma while it was going on, they would have fired away. And, uh, and anybody could have been hit. Luckily, the person was stopped, apprehended, and brought in to the police department. So we got lucky that day. And I got to say throughout my career, I got lucky in that I was never really harmed. I had been threatened. I had come close, but not harmed. And I can't say that for all the people that I've worked with, unfortunately. We are a family. We take care of each other. We look after each other. We go through some of the most crazy stuff you can ever imagine that no one else would understand, nor do we want anybody else to understand. But we keep it among ourselves. We keep it away from our families. And we just try to support each other as best as possible. And I'm talking about everybody who works in the, let's say, 911 community. Whether it's a doctor, a nurse, a service attendant, a secretary, cop, fireman, paramedic, dispatch. I hope I don't leave anybody else out, but yeah. And there's a kinship. We are to look out for each other while we're doing our best to protect everybody out there. You, me, my kids, your kids, your family. And when one of us turns on the other one, it catches you off guard. It's like, where can you be safe if you're not safe among family? So yeah, what happened to Alex? was disgusting and on so many different levels. If we get a dispatch call through and it says officer down, it's one of the worst calls we can ever get. Don't get me wrong, every call is a bad call, especially children and, well, the most. But officer down or 
one of our paramedics or any of us that makes us sick and we will do whatever it takes to save them. So that's what makes this harder. I grabbed some of my clips from a CNN interview with Alex and sometimes it's best if you let the pros do the interviewing. So I'm going to play a part here that explains how she felt in regards to this. Alex, how did it get to that point? I have no idea. Uh, I am, I can't, I can't speak for Officer Payne, um, but what I can say is that I stood my ground. I stood for what was right, which was to protect the patient. Um, as a nurse, um, any nurse, I think, would have done exactly what I did. Um, did the officer explain? You were arrested. Look, at you're being handcuffed right. here on this video. Did he explain why he was arresting and handcuffing you? Uh, not to my knowledge. Um, I just... I knew that I was doing what I was, what was right, what was offered to me by a policy that I trusted and I believed to be lawful. So what was going through your head while all this was happening? I was scared to death. Um, I was obviously very frightened. Um, and I think since, since this has happened, I've been able to sort of surmise that I've, I really feel betrayed. I feel betrayed by the police officers. I feel betrayed by my university police and security. Um, Why do you feel betrayed by your your hospital security? Because I called them. I went down into the emergency department to get help, to have someone protect me because I felt unsafe from Officer Payne from the beginning. And, and they, why is that? Why were you feeling immediately unsafe with him? He was aggressive from the beginning. As a nurse, I'm, it's my job to assess a situation, to assess a patient. And my assessment skills led me to believe that Officer Payne was already agitated. Um, he had already stormed off um, in disapproval when I had originally told him that he couldn't do this up on the unit itself. What was he saying to you? I mean, we've heard just bits and pieces of it. Mm -hmm. Was he saying something to you that crossed the line? Well, initially I had explained to him the, the three things, that unless the patient was under arrest, I needed to have an electronic warrant, and there was no family, and the patient could not consent for himself. And I said, I'm sorry. And he said, you're not sorry, and got very upset. And that was sort of the, the thing that triggered, this guy's not, this is not okay. So when you called your own security, hospital security, then how did they respond? by just standing there looking at their phones, telling me that they couldn't protect me. So there you go. She's threatened by the police enough to go down to the emergency department to get support where there are security guards, where there are some nurses and staff that are maybe more used and trained to deal with aggressive behaviors. And they failed her. They bailed on her. They didn't help her. You can see, you can hear the fear. She is looking around and saying, somebody help me. Somebody help me, please. And no one does. I can't even imagine how she felt. And it makes me so angry. So very, very angry. I grabbed some video off of YouTube that shows the full almost 20 minute police cam of this case, of this situation. And I'll post the link or I'll post it on my Facebook group and uh, Twitter page as well, just so, you know, you can have easy access and maybe I can leave some information in the, sto in the show notes. Anyway, it's full of 
just evidence of all this disgusting behavior. You will hear his little Weasley partner in crime in the background just pushing this guy, just needling him on in his behaviors. You will hear the security guards waffling little weasels doing nothing to help her. Sort of, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, no, no. You know, how they talk to the cops there. You will hear the other cop talking to her from the police car, patronizing her, placing blame on her, that she deserved it, that she caused this arrest, that she made this so difficult, that she brought it on to herself, justifying their disgusting behavior. I swear, if, if I had posted all of that, this show would never end and you would just hear me completely continue to freak out. So I'll post it. Please go have a listen to it. And you'll hear the stuff that happened before and after within that 20 minutes. And it's sure to make your skin crawl as well. So what's next? What do we talk about next here? I did a lot of thinking into this. And I think I'd like to present to you some of the known rights and responsibilities of a patient for a patient to protect yourselves. I'm going to say this right now. I gathered this information in regards to Ontario, Canada, rights and regs. And I am in no way giving advice here. They usually have these things posted throughout the hospital. You can go to the nurse's station, to the nurse, to the doctors, whoever you wish, and they will clearly define what your rights are as a patient. And I think it's really important that we know our rights to begin with. Please go online, look up your area where you live, your hospitals, and find out what your rights are. Advocate for yourself and be able to advocate for your loved ones. So I'm just going to go over some basic stuff that sort of most hospital covers, but this is not written in stone, so please do not take this as advice in any way. Okay, so let's let's go over some stuff here. So here's a good example of overall patient rights. You have the right to receive courteous, competent care and timely care. Receive complete and current information regarding all aspects of your care in a matter that you understand. Participate in healthcare team in developing a treatment or care plan that addresses your needs. Obtain a second opinion. The right to expect that information gathered concerning your care will be treated in a confidential matter. The right that if you wish to designate a person to represent or support you in the making of decisions about your treatment. The right to be informed of the names and functions of all members of your healthcare team. The right to be informed of the hospital policies that apply to you and to express your concerns and receive a timely response. The right to refuse treatments except in circumstances stipulated by law, for example, with some communicable diseases. And be informed of any possible medical consequences of such referral and the right to be acknowledged in the language of your choice, if possible, the services of an interpreter to ensure that communication with members of the healthcare team is possible. So that's a good example of what your patient rights are. Like I said, it may change from hospital to hospital, country to country, state to state, province to province. 
Now, of course, you would expect that there would be exceptions when it comes to the ER emergency situations. So the general rule is that informed consent in an emergency uh, circumstance um, is that of the standard informed consent rule um, that applies that a cogent conscious adults who require treatment can give consent. However, in most other situations in the ER, informed consent is presumed for the patient. In other words, if the the patient is presumed to have consented to any or all relevant and medically appropriate care that should be provided in the emergent situation at hand. In other words, we will be under the presumption that you would give consent in a situation where you were unconscious and unable to make the decision for yourself and would be responsible for all care therein of. So where do we go from here? What happens from here? Ah, so much. I think I want to play one last clip that sums up what's going on with Alex and what's what her expectations are moving forward. And I think you are going to be very impressed as you probably are with her up to this point because she represents all nurses in such an incredible, incredible way. Kara, is there any legal grounds that this officer had for, uh, for arresting Alex? None. Um, he, he kept saying, you know, the, the patient, uh, you know, has given implied consent, essentially just by driving in Utah. But the law that the officer uh, purported to be relying on uh, clearly didn't apply because the officer admitted that there was no probable cause. And the uh, Utah's implied consent law specifically requires probable cause. What's the backstory here that he that this was a, that he thought this was a drunk driving accident and he wanted to take the driver's blood to see if there was alcohol in it? Is that no. what was about? So what what why was he so determined to have this driver's blood? I'm not sure. I believe that his it's my understanding that his watch command um, also instigated some of this, um, and you can see the watch commander, uh, Officer um, Tracy, talking to me in the latter half of the video. Um, Saying what? I mean, what's their rationale for this? They had none. They just said that they needed to take the blood and that there was civil remedies. And, um, you know, if they were doing something illegal, it was like the fruit of the poisonous tree. And basically they were just, once I realized it, I just thought these guys don't have any, they don't, they are going to get what they want no matter what. So this video that we're watching, this, this is the officer's body cam. Is that right? Yes. And... This all happened July 26th. Correct. So more than a month ago. Yes. So why now has it just been released? Um, I feel pretty strongly in um, just having sort of a good, strong ability to stand up um, without emotion. And I needed to afford myself some time to feel okay um, and to be able to talk pragmatically about the situation without, em without the emotion um, that I completely understand that the country at this point, since it's a national... Um, thing that the country is still dealing with that I've been able to have um, dealt with and I'm still dealing with. In other words, you were able to get the body cam yes. video. You got your hands on it legally 
you're allowed to have this. Correct. And you waited until you felt that you were together enough to talk about it. Correct. At why? What has this past month been like for you? It's been tough. I mean, one of the other reasons we went forward was we we made sure that the body cam was available. We wanted to see what it was that was on there. We spoke with the Salt Lake City Police Department. Our initial meeting, um, the chief of police apologized to me personally, and I accepted his apology. Deputy chief of um, police. Sorry, deputy chief of and police. And what did he you. say to you? He just said that this should never have happened, and I agreed with that. Um, and then we started making conversation about how to prevent this from ever happening again. Unlike the conversation we had um, a week later with the university police and the university security, who, after about a 45-minute conversation, still had not apologized. And when I brought it up, um, continued to defend their officers, and I just didn't feel like that was appropriate. Kara, what are her legal remedies, if any? Oh, she has a lot of legal remedies. Um, but at, at this, I mean, obviously, there's the possibility of a lawsuit if, if that is, becomes necessary. Against the officer? Well, against the city, the officers, the university, police, you know, there, there are quite a few, I mean, I down mean, the road. When you say if it becomes necessary, what are you going to hinge that on? What are you waiting for? Well, um, I think we're going to give everyone involved an opportunity to do the right thing without having to be dragged into court to do it. And what would the right thing look like, Alex? Uh, well, right now... I'm, I'm trying to formulate that, but currently my mission is to re-educate. As officers and as healthcare workers, we have to work together on behalf of our citizens, our fellow, our friends, our people, the people that we live with. And if we are going to have that dialogue and we're going to be able to have that teamwork and camaraderie, we have to be able to come to the table and have appropriate dialogue. Brav fucking O, Alex. Bravo. I don't think anybody could have said it any better than that. She is amazing. I want to say thank you for representing us all in such a professional, articulate, caring manner. You are an advocate. You are an amazing representation of all of us nurses out there. So how do I end this? What more do I have to say? Ooh. Well, I have a lot to say, but I got to keep this down to a minimum. Let's just all continue to take care of each other. Yes. Let's advocate for each other. Let's support each other. Let's love each other. Let's help each other. We're all on the same side. And I'm talking about us human beings. Okay? I can't say this strong enough. I think it's easier to care and take care of than to hate and fight. I understand we all go through some crap and when we're unwell, when we're in the emergency department or in any health situation, health crisis, we're scared. We feel hopeless. We feel lost. We don't know what's going to happen. But I can tell you that nurses want to do the best that they can for you. So do the doctors, so do the paramedics. So do the police, so do the firemen, so do the people that work at the hospitals. So do your best, please, to respect us, and we will respect you. Most police and nurses are like brothers and sisters. 
I think this is more of a situation of officer pain than it being a nurse cop problem. At least I hope so. And it seems like this woman is being brave, showing courage, and trying to make policy change, make things happen so this kind of thing doesn't happen again. At least not in her hospital or under her watch. So, people, I hope this is helped in some way. Because at some point in our life, we are all patients, unfortunately. Hopefully, not very often. And in some point in our life, we need help from others. So, I think I'm going to leave it there. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for all the support. And just take care. Take care of each other. Bye for now.